Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, let me encourage you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 3 this morning. Some of you may know the name Polycarp. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna in the second century. By all accounts, Polycarp was a gentleman, but he had an unwavering faith in Jesus Christ. In 155 AD, Polycarp was called before the authorities because he refused to bow down to the gods of Rome. Now, no one wanted to kill Polycarp. He was an 86-year-old man. And so the authorities told Polycarp, if you will simply say Caesar is Lord and you will offer a pinch of incense to this statue of Caesar, you will do what you need to do. Polycarp refused to do that. This is what Polycarp said. He said, 86 years I have served Christ and he never did me any wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? You threaten me with fire that burns for a season, and after a little while it is quenched. But you are ignorant of the fire of everlasting punishment that is prepared for the wicked. They then took Polycarp out, and they burned him at the stake. Tradition tells us that that the flames would not touch him. They would not burn him, and eventually... They killed him to death through stabbing him with a spear. Now, Polycarp was one of the first of many Christian martyrs who have been burned at the stake throughout the centuries. And the truth is, even today, we hear about Christians who are literally burned alive because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the truth of the matter is, none of us, Not a single one of us wants to be burned alive. And most of us would do anything and and everything within our power to avoid it. Now, I know this sounds really strange, but that's the problem. Let me say that again. I know this sounds strange, and for some of you it doesn't make sense, But that is the problem. Too often, we find ourselves doing everything we can to avoid the fires of following Christ when in reality, we should face the fires with courage and with commitment. We're in week three of a a four-week series that we've called Exiles. We've been looking at, at how God's people, the Jewish people, were to live in exile as they lived in this strange land called Babylon for 70 years. And just like the Jews, the Bible says that we who are followers of Jesus are exiles. Multiple times in the New Testament, we are told that this world is not our home. We are exiles. We are strangers in this land. And there is a certain way that we are to live. Just like the Jews were to live differently in Babylon, this pagan land, because it wasn't their home, you and I are to live differently in the world today because this world is not our home. And yet, truth be told, many of us live like it is. We dream of the things of this world. We put our hopes In the things of this world, we long for the things of this world, and yet, 
The Bible says over and over and over again that this world is not our home. Now, and as we've gone through God's word, we began by looking at a letter that, that Jeremiah wrote to the exiles who were in Babylon. He, we find this letter in Jeremiah 29. I'm not going to go back and, and share it with you, but I would encourage you to read that. And then we discovered how Daniel and, and three of his friends, teenage boys, were taken into exile in Babylon. And we see how they made some decisions that set them apart in those early days. But this morning, I want us to look at what I believe is probably one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. It's a story that tells us of a golden statue. It tells us of a fiery furnace. And it tells us of three young men who refused to bow down. And as we look at this story, what I'm going to do is show you how you can avoid the fiery furnace. And yet, you need to understand that that is the worst thing that you could do. You see, even though I'm going to tell you this is how you can avoid the furnace, as a follower of Jesus, you cannot avoid the furnace. So listen up. The first way to avoid the fiery furnace is to bow down to the gods of this world. If you want to avoid the fiery furnace, just bow down to the gods of this world. Listen to what it says, beginning in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and he set it up on the plain of Dor in the province of Babylon. That was about six miles outside of the capital. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People! Of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow down to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or Nation or language bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now let me remind you of something that, that you read about in chapter 2. In chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He had a dream of this huge statue, it says, of a, of a man. And we discovered that this statue represented the kingdoms of the world. And the head of the statue was made of gold. And, and that golden head represented Nebuchadnezzar and the kingdom of Babylonia. And Daniel, as he was sharing with Nebuchadnezzar what the dream meant, he told Nebuchadnezzar that Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was one day going to fall. It was one day going to come to an end. Now, I imagine after Daniel interpreted that dream... That dream continued to haunt Nebuchadnezzar's mind. Because who wants to see something they've built? Who, who wants to see something they've, they've worked hard to accomplish destroyed? 
And so Nebuchadnezzar was determined to hold on to his kingdom and do everything within his power to hold on to his kingdom. So Nebuchadnezzar built a statue, a huge statue, much like, I believe, the one in his dream. Instead, in this statue, it wasn't made of gold and and other metals. It was made all of gold. I believe symbolizing that Nebuchadnezzar was saying, my reign is going to last forever. Now, for some of you who, who may question whether this actually happened or not, I want you to know that archaeologists have found a base of a statue on the plains of Dura. And the base of that statue could easily hold a statue like this. But they've also found an ancient Babylonian document. And that document warns against anyone harming a statue. Uh, This is some of what the document says. Beside my statue as king, I wrote an inscription mentioning my name. I erected it for posterity. May future kings respect this monument and remember the praise of the gods. He who respects my royal name, who does not abrogate my statues nor change my decrees, his throne shall be secure, his life lasts long, his dynasty shall continue. Now, like I said, most people believe that that this statue was a statue of Nebuchadnezzar. So once it was built... Everyone was to come out to the plain. And as the music started playing, the people of every race and every nation and every language were to bow down and worship the statue. That included the Jews who had been taken into exile. Now talk about peer pressure. When the band began to play, everybody was to hit the floor worshiping that golden idol. And the king made it clear, you either bow or you burn. Now what's interesting is is not what they were being forced to do. Bow down to this golden statue. It's what they were not being forced to do. They were not being forced to stop bowing down to their God. They were simply being forced to also bow down to the Babylonian God. And the truth is, that's the same pressure that we face today. It's called pluralism. Now, religious pluralism can take many different forms. In a good sense, it can refer to different religions existing together in a society. And the people of those different religions coexisting peacefully and respectfully of each and every one. And and I think we would all agree that that is a good thing. The freedom of religion and treating people with respect and treating people with dignity. But understand the pluralism we face today is, is different from that. It's different than simply peacefully coexisting. The pluralism that we face today says you can believe whatever you want to believe, but you must also acknowledge the validity of all the other religions, all the other gods. You can't be so narrow-minded that you believe that your God is the exclusive God. 
But understand, we can't do that and remain committed to what we believe. You see, even though we are thankful for the First Amendment, we need to understand that it in no way trumps the First Commandment. And the first commandment says you can't have any God but God. And yet, that's what God's people in Babylon were being asked to do. Nebuchadnezzar didn't say lose your religion. He didn't say stop bowing down to your God. He just said as you bow down to your God, you must also bow down to my God. And understand, this is what we face today, at least here in America. You see, most people will not tell you that that you can't believe. Uh, They won't tell you that you can't worship Jesus. But what they will say is that you have to accept. You have to acknowledge that the gods of this world are equally valid. And and if you're going to be accepted in society... You need to be willing to bow down to them as well. And yet, understand, as followers of Jesus, we can't do that. You see, Christianity is not just about bowing down to Jesus. Christianity is about only bowing down to Jesus. You see, our temptation is is not to stop bowing down to Jesus. It's to start bowing down to all the other gods. But to be a Christian, I am acknowledging that Jesus is the only true God. And I will only bow my knee. I will only give my heart to him. God doesn't want to be one of many. God doesn't want to be the greatest of all. God wants to be the one and only. So how does this play out? Well, you go to work and... Some of the business practices where you work are unethical at best. They're illegal at worst. And here's what you're told. You can believe in Jesus all you want. You can bow down to Jesus if you want to, but when you are here, when you are on the clock, you must bow down to our business practices. And then the music starts. And it's time to bow down. And we have a decision to make. Or you go to work. And over time, you begin to build relationships with the people that you work with. And and as you do with the people you work with, you have conversations. You have conversations about sports. You have conversations about politics. You have conversations about what's going on in our family and in the world. And, And as these conversations begin to take place, you naturally begin to talk about the most important thing in your life, your relationship with Jesus. But one person takes offense at that and goes and tells the boss, and the boss comes to you and says, listen, you can worship Jesus, you can bow down to Jesus, but here at work, you can't talk about Jesus. You can use foul language. You can argue and debate politics. You can talk about anything else in the world, but you can't talk about Jesus. And the music starts. 
and it's time to bow down. What are we going to do? Now, the truth of the matter is, is if you don't bow down, you're not going to be executed, but you could be ostracized, you could be criticized, you could be isolated, and you could even lose your job and your livelihood. But let me give you another way that this plays out, another God that, that I believe we bow down to, and it's the God of me. It's the God of my desires. It's the God of my wants. It's the God of my pleasures. Truth be told, if many of us look up into the throne room of heaven and we gaze so that we can see the throne there in heaven, if we're honest, we will discover that it's not God sitting on the throne. It is us sitting on the throne. It's all about me. I am convinced that we are at least one of the most me-centric societies that's ever existed. What's in it for me? What can I get out of it? Me and me and me and mine and mine and mine and I and I and I. And, and this is seen in how we spend our time. Seen in how we spend our money. It's seen in how we raise our kids. It's seen in how we vote in elections. And yet Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. You can't bow down to two gods or many gods. And so the music plays. And the people in our culture bow down. And we have a choice to make. Are we going to bow down? Or are we going to be willing to stand, perhaps all alone, and say, regardless of what the world says, regardless of how the world lives, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to stand for Jesus. I'm going to talk for Jesus. I'm going to honor Jesus. And all I do and all I say and all I think. You see, if you want to avoid the fiery furnace, you don't have to quit coming to church. You can come. You don't have to quit calling yourself a Christian. That may be good for you to call yourself a Christian. You just can't say he's the only way, the only truth, the only life. You, you just can't say my God is the one true God and your God is a false God. You can't do that. If you want to avoid the fiery furnace, simply bow down to the gods of this world. Here's the second way to avoid the fiery furnace. Choose safety. And let me add to that, choose safety over commitment. Uh, look at verse 8 and following. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews... They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, specifically Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and they do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Now that day on the plain of Dura, out of all the people that were there gathered, the people in power, the people that, that ruled the country, the people that ruled the provinces, the people that ruled the cities, anyone and everyone who had any power were gathered together at that place. And of the thousands of people that were there, only three remained standing Somewhere in that crowd of thousands were three young Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When everyone else was in the dirt bowing to the gods of Babylon, there were three young men standing alone. Now, there had to be other Jews that were there that day. And somehow, someway, these other Jews reasoned in their hearts that, that it was okay to bow down to the gods of Babylon because they were still bowing down to Yahweh, their God. So they reasoned in their mind that it was okay, but not Shadrach, not Meshach, not Abednego. Now right now, some of you are wondering, where was Daniel? Did Daniel bow down? Why wasn't he brought before them? Well, I can tell you one thing, Daniel didn't bow down. He wouldn't have bowed down. We see that in chapter 1. We see that in chapter 6. He was going to worship his God alone. And maybe, maybe Daniel had been dispatched by Nebuchadnezzar to some other land to, to do a task. We, we don't know why Daniel wasn't there but Daniel obviously wasn't there. And what we need to understand is this. Everyone is not put to the same test at the same time. We will all face test. Whether it's the fiery furnace or the lion's den. We will face the test. The question is not if. The question is when. But understand it's clear that Daniel stood for the Lord. Now look at verse 8 again. In verse 8 it says, But some informed on the Jews. Now that word informed is an interesting word. In the Aramaic it literally means they ate their pieces. Let me say that again. So when it says they informed on the Jews, it says they ate into pieces the Jews. You see, these astrologers weren't just being tattletales. These astrologers wanted to destroy Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I want you to listen to me. This is an important 
truth. It's a side truth, but it's an important truth. Whenever we do this, whenever we gossip, whenever we slander someone, we are practicing verbal cannibalism. That's what it is. And so when you stand out in the foyer and you're talking about someone else, you are eating their pieces, just like these astrologers. When you get on Facebook and you give your little messages to your friends talking about someone, you are eating their pieces, just like the Babylonian astrologers did to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And by the way, just like Satan does today, the Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So when you do that, you're not only acting like a pagan Babylonian, you are acting like Satan himself. Listen to what it says in Galatians 5 verse 15. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. We need to be careful what we say. So Nebuchadnezzar brings Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, and he says, I'm going to give you one more chance. Bow down and stay safe or remain and sizzle. Now, we can always reason in our minds why we should bow down. We can say things like this. Well, I'm going to bow down physically, but I'm not going to bow down spiritually. God knows my heart. We can say things like this. Well, if I live, I can fight another day. I mean, if I die now, think of all the people that I'm not going to reach later. Somehow, someway, we've, we've gotten into this idea today that God wants us to be safe. And yet, as I read the Bible as I study church history, I see that following Jesus is a lot of things, but it's anything but safe. Let me give you some verses. John 16, Jesus said this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Yes, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 1 Thessalonians 3, 3. You know that we are destined to suffer persecution. John 15, verse 20. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. All of the disciples of Jesus were murdered for one reason. They followed Jesus. The only one who survived was John. And that's because they tried to kill him by putting him into a pot of boiling oil. He survived. And so they banished him to a prison island. The apostle Paul was beaten with chains. He was whipped. He was shipwrecked. He was thrown into prison He was eventually put to death for his faith in Jesus. Right now, in Russia, Christians are being arrested for sharing their faith. Right now, in the Middle East, Christians are being beheaded 
because they refused to recant their faith. And yet somehow, some way, we bought into this lie that it's all about our safety rather than our faithfulness. And listen, that has huge implications for how we live, what we do, how we raise our kids. It involves how we look at the mission field. It involves how we spend our money. It involves everything about us. Understand, God doesn't call us to comfort. God doesn't call us to safety. God calls us to obedience and commitment, whatever the cost. And so if you want to avoid the fiery furnace, choose safety. Live to fight another day. Bow down physically, but refuse to bow down spiritually. Make every excuse you can. But choose safety. If you want to avoid the fiery furnace, bow down to the gods of this world. But finally, if you want to avoid the fiery furnace then worship God for what he can do rather than who he is. Uh, Look at verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Now, this is one of my favorite passages in God's word. Because, you see, it's pretty easy to have a God-will faith. It's a whole lot harder to have, but if not, faith. You see, we've so skewed faith today in our nation. Are you sick? God will heal you if you have enough faith. Do you need money? God will provide if you have enough faith. Do you need a spouse? Ask God. And if you have enough faith, He'll bring him or her. Now listen, I am thankful that God heals. And I have said, if I get sick, pray for me. I am thankful that God provides, and he does. And I am super thankful for the wonderful wife that God has provided for me. But listen, faith isn't believing God is going to do what I want him to do. Faith is doing what God wants me to do and trusting him regardless of the consequences. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They knew that that God could deliver them from the fiery furnace, but they didn't know that God would deliver them. And whether he would either deliver them from the furnace or in the furnace, they were going to stand for God whether they lived or whether they died. You see, real faith is not the confidence that God will work out things the way you want. Real confidence in God and faith is that God will work out the things the way he wants. 
the truth is, when you stand for God, you may die. If you love God, you may not get healed. If you stand with God, you may lose your job. Faith is not believing that you will live and not die. Faith is believing that it is better to die and live for God than to live and die without God. And that's the kind of faith Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. You see, they knew that God was on his throne, and regardless of what happened, this world was not their home. And they had something better to look forward to. So they were thrown into the fiery furnace. But notice what happens. Look at verses 19 through 27. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Now let me just stop there for just a minute. Do you notice what it says here? He was so furious. He was so filled with anger. When we get like that, we do illogical things. Would you agree? Would you agree that when we get angry, we do things that are stupid? Now, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to not only kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wanted, he wanted them to suffer, didn't he? Now, let me ask you a question. Would they suffer more in a flame that wasn't as hot, where they would burn longer? Or would they suffer more in a flame that was so hot that they would immediately die? You see, what we need to understand, and this is an aside, is when we fly off into a rage, we do stupid things. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames, but suddenly... Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we top three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. But look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace without getting burned up himself and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Servants of, listen to what he says, the most high God. Come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. So they're thrown into the fiery furnace, the place that we work hard to avoid, and they experience the presence of God, and they experience the power of God like never before. I want you to listen. If we remain faithful, we will face the fiery furnace. It's coming. But we will experience intimacy with Christ like never before. And God will be 
glorified. You see, the thing that we want, God's presence, is found most powerfully in the furnace. The thing that we want to experience God's power is seen more clearly in the furnace. Because it's in the furnace that we discover that he is right there with us. Now, notice what it says in verses 28 and 29. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. Let me tell you, it wasn't an angel. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. Listen to this. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. For there is no other God who can rescue like this. And all God's people said, that's our God. And yet we want to avoid the fiery furnace. We want to avoid the furnace where the presence of God is experienced. We don't want to avoid the furnace where the power of God is seen. And we want to avoid the furnace that glorifies the Lord Jesus like nothing else can. Now here's the deal. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a believer at this point. But he was a believer that there was something special about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel's God. He, he didn't know what it was. He wasn't willing to bow his knee to their God. But he knew that his God stood head and shoulders above the other gods. Now let me tell you. Later on, we see that Nebuchadnezzar does become a believer. He had to hit rock bottom first. For seven years, he had to live like a wild animal, literally. But at the end of that time, he made his confession of faith. Who but knows what God can do through you and in you if you're willing to remain faithful and refuse to avoid the fiery furnace. And by the way, the fiery furnace, in some way, shape, or form, we all are going to face it. It may not be like the one that they faced in Babylon on the plain of Dura that day, but understand, if you are faithful to Jesus Christ in a pagan world, you will face the fiery furnace. If not today, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, the next day. The fiery furnace is coming. It may be in a lion's den. It may be in the form of 
being beheaded. It may be in the form of losing a job. It may be in the form of of being ostracized at school. I I don't know how it's going to come, but you will face your fiery furnace if you're going to be obedient, if you're going to be faithful, if you're going to be committed. So the question is, will you? As exiles living in a pagan land, are you willing to face the fiery furnace? I pray you are. Because if you're not, hate to inform you of this, but you don't really believe. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who was put to death for his faith, said this. He who believes is obedient. And only he who is obedient truly believes. We can paraphrase that. He who believes will be faithful. And it's only those who are faithful to the end, Jesus said, who truly believe. So do you believe like that? If not, you need to. I want you to bow your head with me. I want you to close your eyes and with your head bowed, with your eyes closed. I want to ask you a simple question. Are you ready for the fiery furnace? Do you have this kind of faith? If not, you need to ask God to give you this kind of faith today. Why don't you pray this prayer? Dear God, I humbly come to you this morning. Asking your forgiveness. I've not been willing to face the fiery furnace. I've given in to temptation. To peer pressure. I've bowed to many of the gods of this world. Forgive me. I'm tired of worshiping you. And other gods. Today. I'm giving myself completely to you. I know you love me. Jesus I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the grave. Proving who you are. The only true God. Today. I'm trusting you. I'm committing my all to you. Thank you for saving me. Now give me the power to live for you in a pagan land. Amen.